1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com
0: slash recommend today.
1: Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You are appreciated. Senior Care Live is the nation's premier radio program, providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. This is a safe place to get accurate and reliable information you can absolutely count on. Each and every week, we discuss important issues such as how to remain independent in your own home, how to find the right senior care community, how to pay for the high cost of senior care, and legal issues involving elder law and estate planning. We also discuss senior-related health issues and how to care for the caregiver. As always, if you have a question, you can reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's one 800 331 6445. 331 6445. You can also visit online. It's a great website, Senior Care Live, L I V E, Senior all right. So we're going to have a, a an excellent program today, a really important program today. And uh, I would like to invite my special guest today, Mr. David Wiley. He's the president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And David, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here today. All right. And thanks for being here. And and for our listeners, if you'd like to reach out to Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care, if you have any questions at all about services, let me give you the phone number here, 816-363-2600, 816-363-2600, or online at kchospice.org. All right. So, David, 2020 has been a wild year. It doesn't seem to be showing any signs of calming down anytime soon. Uh, The COVID-19 pandemic is still a major, major issue. The economic shutdown and and downturn continues. Mm -hmm. Unemployment is raising. Now we have racial tensions that are just... Very, very high, and who knows what else might be around the corner. So, how are you and Kansas City Hospice doing in the midst of all that is happening right now?
0: You know, just just like everyone else, Steve. You know, uh, we're taking it day by day and and doing our best to cope with things as change comes along. And you know, as you know, uh, Kansas City Hospice is celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. So. I don't think any organization that makes it four decades without learning some things about resiliency. So overall, we're doing as well as uh, we can be during a difficult time. And I'll tell you that I'm proud of the team for their commitment to ensure the quality of patient care and support for families um, continue. Um, That continues to be the forefront. Uh, We we still have our COVID-19 task force that's meeting regularly. We've been meeting for many months now, uh, making Some tough decisions, uh, but the most important thing, supporting our caregivers and our staff um, so we can take care of people. Our donors and our uh, community supporters and volunteers, they remain uh, as faithful as ever, and they've really surrounded us and our families. We serve with love and care and in a lot of unique ways, and it's been fun to see uh, some of those different ways that they've offered support to families. And um, just a few examples, um, you know, some of our donors have decided to to turn their stimulus checks over to us um, as a way oh, to, wow. to, yeah, to a way to support yeah. the community. So I think that's pretty cool. We've had some people who've given us some appreciated stock, and um, volunteers and businesses um, have have offered, um, you know, messages of hope, and they've they've written on our sidewalks at our facilities and. You know, kind of cheering on our nurses and our staff, which I think is great, and dropping off treats and uh, supplies, uh, including PPE, which has been great. And um, we actually had 15 uh, Facebook portals, uh, electronic device that was donated from the COVID Connect, um, uh, from COVID Connect, which is uh, was recently talked about on the Ellen Show. So those have been some pretty cool things. But most of all, I'm really thankful for the families that we serve. Um, You know, they they're facing end of life challenges. It's very different right now in this moment, and um, they're doing it with grace and love, and, and we're grateful for the opportunity to stand beside them and, and help them in this journey at this time.
1: Well, absolutely, and that, that's what a tremendous amount of support. That is fantastic, and you know I'm, I'm certain that they're also grateful to have you beside them, not only through the end-of-life journey, uh, but at, at the end-of-life journey, In the midst of a pandemic, so uh, what are you hearing from from families?
0: You know, this is a time when healthcare leaders are we're providing um, providing important care. We're also making some incredibly difficult decisions, always keeping the safety of our patients and families, as well as our team of caregivers, in mind. Of course, Um, you know we're in a time. Um, in, our, in our country that protecting the physical health of our loved ones needs to be balanced with their emotional health. And there really are no, no easy answers. So difficult decisions are made every day and, and uh, which none of us want to make, but which are required for the safety and, and healthy of our entire community. So the unfortunate thing is that families facing the end of life don't have the luxury of time. So when time together is lost, they won't uh, be able to make that up. And um, this is a tremendous burden on these families. And I really do feel for each and every one of them. This is why, again, I just reiterate the importance of following public health guidelines, such as physical distancing, face coverings, washing your hands, staying home when possible. And if you do go out, you know, do it responsibly. This is how we can really care for our community right now. Mm -hmm. But having said all that, as CEO, one of my favorite parts of the job is that, uh, you know, so many people reach out to me and they share Um, with me about their experience and they offer their thanks for our team of caregivers who've helped them at this important time in their journey. And it really amazes me that um, people take the time right now to to send cards of thanks or call or they write a letter to share their experience really in the midst of all this that's happening around us. So that certainly brightens um, my day. It brightens the, the team's day. It keeps our focus on exactly why we're doing what we're doing Um, and I just think that people are incredible, and I think we're really uh, blessed to be part of a loving community like Kansas City.
1: Indeed, it is absolutely a blessing to be part of the Kansas City community. I don't think anyone would would argue uh, with how special Kansas City is. Uh, I used to think that Kansas City was maybe one of the best-kept secrets. I'm pretty sure the secret's out (laughs) (laughs) by now, Uh, (laughs) but you know, Like the rest of the country, we're also experiencing challenging times right now, not only because of the pandemic and the economic crisis, but in the black community. And the model of hospice is inclusive. that what that means is it is individualized to each person, their beliefs, their traditions and their needs. So what is your perspective on the protests happening
0: right now? You know, Steve, from a personal perspective, um, I'm a white male and I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, my experience is very different than what I know is the experience of many others. And I think the number one thing that I can do to support the black community is to take the time to really listen and, uh, listen to the message by that's being sent and, and, and to listen and, and work to understand, um, the perspective, um, All of us need the opportunity to be heard and validated. And too often that's not happening for, you know, people of color broadly. And uh, it's not happening in the same way that uh, white Americans really can take um, that for granted. So, you know, many could argue that legal um, and policy reform are critical. But honestly, at the end of the day, we overcome oppression at the human to human level. And, uh, you know, in the recent week and days, you know, I've been examining my own beliefs and actions to determine how I can support others in our community. And personally, this means educating myself about the issues facing the black community and examining how I might be adding to those issues and and how I can contribute to positive solutions. So it isn't up to me to solve it, but um, it is up to me to be part of the solution in a way that's meaningful. And to those who are calling out to tell us what they need and, you know, I can tell you, I'm certainly not an expert in race relations, and, and I can tell you right now, I don't have the answer to how to solve this ongoing crisis, but, but I can consider some small actions that I can do right now, and if everyone takes a moment to do that, um, I, I just, you know, I, I think we can imagine or how much further we could actually um, go as a community and as a country if, if we just did that, so...
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I don't pretend to have the answers. That is, uh, um, it's just such a large and and frankly a systemic issue. Um, I I just I, I can't imagine. But I I think I think the message is so loud yeah. <laughs> right now, uh, and and I think that's a good thing. Even though as traumatic as all of this is, I think it's a good thing. I think it will. Uh, produce change and reform and improvement and uh, I, I think the message message is loud loud and clear and and i just hope that at some point you know very soon that we can uh, move forward together like you said this is a human to human thing this has yep. this is a person-to-person person thing later on in the program I'm going to share you know a few of my my thoughts and ideas on how you know we might be able to take some steps toward that but uh, I, I think it just comes down to each each individual, I, I don't think you can mandate change. I think some changes in laws and reforms and oversight and accountability, I think all those things help. But at the end of the day, this comes down to the person that you are and improving that. And I think that's the beginning of where it could all change.
0: I agree. And I think there, there have been um, glimpses of some positive, uh, some positive moments. So hopefully we can continue those along.
1: Excellent. All right. So, David, let's uh, let's continue this discussion after the break. But first, the Senior Care Live question of the week. This is more of a statement, and it's a true-false. Hospice care is available and helpful for individuals of any race, ethnicity, or religion. Is that statement true or false? We'll have the answer right after the break. Welcome back you're listening to senior care live on the senior care broadcasting network for more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family call us on our toll-free number anytime it's 1-800-331-6445 one 800 331 6445. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device. Super easy. Go to seniorcarelive.com. Click on the microphone right there on the homepage or the listen live button. Give it a few seconds to connect. And then, boom, you are in. It'll start streaming to your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you have. It really is that simple. All right, back to the senior care live question of the week. Hospice care is available and helpful for individuals of any race, ethnicity, or religion. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is true. It is true. The hospice philosophy honors each person's faith family traditions, and cultural values in a way that is absolutely unique to that individual. And and I just love that uh, about uh, the hospice approach and the hospice philosophy. That's just perfect. All right. So, David, before the break, you shared with us your personal perspective about what you can personally do to be an ally for people of color, and more specifically for black members in our community. So, uh, Tell me what this means for you as a leader in the community and for Kansas City Hospice.
0: You know, first and foremost, um, Steve, I'm very fortunate to lead a large organization, which puts me in a unique position to make some change. And I think too often we look around at others and, and have a lot to say about what they can do differently. But it really can be difficult and uncomfortable to look within. So it's important for me to lead the effort within our own organization. And and one thing that's been happening at Kansas City Hospice is we've been having some in-depth conversations about how to show respect to the black community and honor their unique needs, not only in their care, but how we communicate. And one important way we can show respect is through the language that we use. So in hospice, we often say, all hospice is palliative care. But not all palliative care is hospice, meaning that hospice always means providing palliative comfort and symptom management. But the provision of comfort and symptom management, it's not necessarily always hospice. So in this, in the same way, you know, I, I learned just recently that when referring to black Americans, all African Americans are black Americans, but not all black Americans are African American, meaning that black Americans are not always descendants of Africa. You know, so this can be a very meaningful distinction for people who don't necessarily see themselves as African-American because they aren't descended from Africa. And so they may question whether a certain movement is a movement that they fit within. So as an organization, we seek to be inclusive in our language. And while there isn't any um, or always consistency in the language that we use, I think the process of considering how powerful language can be is an important exercise as we consider how to respect the unique history of the black community and um, how we have arrived at this point in time and how we can uh, move forward together.
1: All right. All right. And are black Americans just as likely
0: to seek hospice care as white Americans? You know, that's a great question, Steve. And I appreciate you asking that. You know, it's important to understand that the black community brings unique perspective to the table when it comes To healthcare. And in general, you know, few healthcare providers have done a good job of addressing the challenges they face, including hospice care providers. So, research has found that only 8% of black Americans have completed an advanced directive, which is stating their wishes for the end of life, compared to 43% of white Americans. And of individuals on Medicare who who enrolled in hospice at the time of death, in 2018, more than 50% of white Americans were enrolled, While less than 40% of Black Americans were enrolled. So, a gap which has been consistent actually for many years, despite um, the very clear benefit that hospice can offer for those suffering from a life limiting illness. And so, the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization notes that only 8% of hospice patients are Black, though uh, they make up about 12% of the American population, while 80% of hospice patients are white. So, at Kansas City Hospice, <clears throat> around 12% of our patients are black, but we know that we absolutely still have a lot of work to do.
1: Okay. And what, what do you think are some of the barriers accounting for the large gap in hospice care between black patients and white patients?
0: You know, this has been studied pretty extensively, Steve, and there are a lot of variables to consider, but some of the most well-documented explanations relate to the lack of trust in the healthcare system um, in whole, which often relates to, well, general mistrust, uh, ineffective communication, um, and or cultural insensitivity by healthcare providers, um, lack of information, limited access to healthcare, and cultural, family, or religious imperatives to trust in God's capacity to heal and or fight until the end by seeking aggressive care. So, Research into uh, barriers to Black Americans using hospice care often mention the Tuskegee study in which Black men were allowed to die um, of an otherwise curable disease um, in the interest of medical research. Even though a Black patient might not have been personally or directly affected by this injustice, um, its memory can cause um, suspicion, it can cause fear, anger, and distrust, um, and in this case, um, of, of medical professionals. So. This is sometimes referred to as historical trauma, in which a particular group is imprinted by awareness of traumatizing historical events to which their ancestors were exposed. So we see these effects um, the, and factors in all aspects of healthcare, not just in hospice, but general distrust and, um, and the lack of access to healthcare systems may even be playing a role right now in a, the greater toll that COVID 19 is taking on our, our Black community members.
1: Okay. So, um, I'm learning a lot today. (laughs) I I really appreciate you sharing all of this information. Um, and and I want to learn and I want to know, and I want to get better and I want to be more supportive. So uh, this is just great information, even though it's it's very, very sensitive. I think it's excellent information. Um, how is Kansas city hospice working to overcome these barriers to better serve people of all races and all backgrounds?
0: You know, Steve, um, I agree with you. Um, this is important. So, but I, but I also I don't want to pretend to have all the answers because we simply don't. And um, but we want to be thoughtful about how we can support our team, and we can support our patients, and we can support the community. And to do so, we have to we have to have the thoughtful and sometimes like you said uncomfortable conversation about how to move forward in a meaningful way. So. Right now, one of the focus of Kansas City Hospice is to have a diversity of membership on our board of directors, and we've been talking about that for several months, um, and and also to our staff, which reflects the the patient population that we serve. And speaking of our patient population, we did conduct an internal study last year uh, related to diverse populations within communities that we serve and how they relate to our patient population and found that there is work to be done related to outreach um, to the Black community and members and educating families about the benefits of hospice care. And finally, at our Solace House, which is a center for grief and healing, our teams work with communities of color. Um, This includes black leaders throughout the community who are working to promote racial justice, safety, and peace. Um, The majority of families that we serve at Solace House have experienced a sudden death, and most, uh, most of the time that includes suicide or homicide or a sudden illness or accident. Unfortunately, the black community is disproportionately affected by this, Um, So we um, have to be available to support them. Our grief support services at Solid House uh, helps families address their grief in a way that honors their own traditions and their family beliefs. So that's kind of how we're doing it right now. All right. Excellent, David. Thank you so much for
1: being here today. David Wiley, president and CEO of Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. And David, thanks for being here. And for our listeners, we'll be right back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, call us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, if you ever miss an episode of Senior Care Live, maybe you want to share the program with someone else, or you know, maybe you just want to go back and listen again, no worries at all. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com, click on the podcast tab, and that's where you'll find all of the previously aired episodes. They're listed in chronological order, and uh, just feel free to choose the one that you want to hear. Click the play button again, give it a few seconds to connect, and uh, you can listen to the podcast literally anytime, 24 hours a day. All right. So, let's move on and uh, talk about the really important subject related to senior care. How are you going to pay for this stuff? <laughs> it's uh, it, it's just really, really expensive. Uh, uh, the costs are really high. There are several different ways to pay for senior care and when I'm working with a, with a, a client or family in, uh, in, with senior care consulting, we develop what, what I call a care profile, which is essentially a geriatric care assessment. Uh, we define the level of care, the type of care, payment method, location, personal preferences and needs. So that payment method, we stay there for a while. We really unpack that and we talk about uh, all the different ways that you can pay for senior care. So we're going to touch on a couple of the of the big ones here today. I haven't talked about these things for a while, so I just felt like I really wanted to uh, review these things today. So if you hear the term private pay, it's it sounds it it just means exactly what it sounds like. You're paying with cash. You're using your own resources to pay for assisted living or long term care, or memory care, or continuing care retirement communities. So you're writing a check every month and you're paying for your own care. So that one's really easy and straightforward. But when we talk about Medicare, well, that is different. And now, myth
0: Myth versus
1: fact. All right, so we have the myth, (laughs) and it's a myth. I do these myth versus fact segments when I want to kind of correct something that is broadly misunderstood out in the marketplace, and this is one of them. Uh, the myth is that Medicare will pay for your long-term stay in long-term care, also known as a nursing home. I've, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, and, and they, they think that, uh, but that's incorrect. That is a myth. And the fact is that just Medicare does not pay for long-term care. Uh, it will pay. Now, this is the confusing part, and I think this this contributes to it. Medicare will pay for skilled nursing and rehab that is offered at a nursing home. That's the confusing part of it, but it will not pay for long-term care, and that's a fact. For more information about the facts, stay tuned to this program or contact Senior Care Consulting at 913-945-2800 or visit SeniorCareConsulting.com. All right. So many people are depending on Medicare uh, to pay for their long-term care, as I mentioned before, and they're just, they're shocked. I mean, I've had so many people over all the years, hey, Steve, we got the cost covered and we're feeling really good. We have the best Medicare plans that money can buy. And while that's great, we need to talk about Medicare and what it does pay for. It does not pay for for long-term care. Your long-term stay in a long-term care community. Again, also known as a nursing home. But it will pay for skilled nursing and rehab services in a nursing home, but there are some catches. And that's why this is pretty confusing. Uh, So you automatically qualify for skilled nursing and rehab if, right, so here's the big one. You have a hospital stay, so you're hospitalized for some reason and you are there for three midnights. That's it. You're, you're there overnight for a minimum of three nights. Boom. That's an automatic qualifier. But there's also another really important uh, fact here, and it just comes down to two different words. You must be in the hospital as an inpatient. So if you're not sure, well, what do you mean? See, you need to ask if if you or your loved one, if you're in the hospital right now, I would ask the really super important question: Am I here as an inpatient? That means that you're in the hospital, you're being treated for something. Or am I here under observation? The key word is observation. If you're there under observation, they're they're that they're just observing you. They're, they're watching you uh, f- look for signs of improvement or decline or whatever they're watching you for, but you're not an inpatient being treated for something, and that's the key. So, But if you are there inpatient in a hospital for a minimum of three midnights, uh, then uh, this is an automatic qualifier, and it automatically qualifies you for a stay in a nursing home receiving skilled nursing and rehab services. So the stay can be for up to 100 days. However, and that's, that's also misleading. Oh, okay, great. Well, then mom's going to be in the hospital for 100 days. That gives us plenty of time to figure out our next step. And uh, no, that's not what that means. That is a maximum of 100 days, but most people don't receive anything close to 100 days of skilled nursing and rehab. I would say the average in our area uh, is at two to four weeks, two, three, four weeks, that's pretty normal. Uh, you could stay a lot longer than that. Uh, in some cases, uh, I think the most, maybe the most common one that I've seen, if someone has unfortunately had a stroke, and this is a very, very slow recovery time, and you have these very small improvements over a long period of time. Uh, in that case, I've seen uh, a lot of folks recover from a stroke, as long as they're progressing and making improvements, they can be there a lot longer than two to four weeks and they may get their 100 days. Okay. Uh, So here's what determines the length of stay. Medicare requires the nursing home to discharge you Uh, from skilled nursing and rehab services that they're paying for if you reach your stated goals. So if the stated goal is walks unassisted for, uh, you know, 50 steps or uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever your stated goals, if you reach the goals, boom, then you get to graduate. You get to get out of there and uh, discontinue that skilled nursing and rehab stay. Uh, If you return to your original capabilities. So uh, you were able, you were operating at a certain level, you fell, uh, maybe you fractured your hip, you go to the hospital, there's surgery, uh, you, you go to skilled nursing and rehab, uh, you, you're there for you know two, three, four weeks, and now you're kind of back to your old self. You could do everything you could do prior to your accident or your fall, boom, you're discharged. Uh, there's another one that's really common. It's called plateauing. So you're improving, you're improving, you're improving, and then all of a sudden, you kind of plateau, and that seems to be about as far back as you're going to bounce, and that's your new normal. Maybe you could walk uh, anywhere you wanted to uh, prior to your accident. After your accident, maybe you can only walk 30 steps or 50 steps unassisted, or maybe now you're walking with an assistive device, such as a cane or a walker, uh, and that's your new normal normal. And you've plateaued, that's as far back as you're coming, that requires a discharge. And then if you can no longer participate in the therapy, maybe it's too difficult, maybe you're too weak, or maybe you've just made the decision, hey, I I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to participate in this, which is your right to do so, then they would have to discharge you. Um, Or And obviously, the last thing that could cause a discharge, if you actually use your 100 days. So uh, Medicare pays and then this is where it starts to get a little more complicated. Medicare will pay 100% of your cost for a maximum up to 20 days, right? So Medicare is going to pay for 100% up to 20 days. Then days 21 through 100, however many days you use, there is a copay. Now, it's it's kind of creeping up a little bit. You know, last year, uh, it was uh, $170.50 a day. This year, it's $176 per day. And you're like, wow, that's kind of expensive. But guess what? If you have a Medicare supplement plan, like I've talked uh, about on this program many times, usually that supplement plan is going to pick up that copay of $176 a day, right? So it just Uh, But there's just this is why so many people are so surprised to learn that. Well, what do you mean? Medicare is not going to pay for my long-term stay in long-term care, again, also known as a nursing home. So it just doesn't pay for that, uh, and and it doesn't. uh, Medicare also pays for a lot of other things that you know I didn't really cover today. It pays for home health care, where skilled nurses. Uh, rehab uh, services such, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, uh, uh, speech therapy. They can all come to your home and help you under your home health care benefit. Uh, it also pays for hospice services and a lot of other things. Uh, but uh, uh, a lot of people are also surprised that Medicare will not pay for their hourly in-home care. See, Medicare certified home health agencies come out on an uh, on a per visit basis maybe one two three visits a week for about 30 minutes to maybe an hour they're not there on an hourly basis well medicare will pay for that right no they do not pay for your ongoing hourly in home assistance and they will not pay for that either and they also not pay for your long term stay in a nursing home. So um, don't shoot the messenger, (laughs) right? Uh, Don't be upset with me. I'm just telling you the facts here. Uh, And so uh, hopefully that helps to make a lot of sense. And in the next segment, I'm gonna talk about long-term care. That is an insurance coverage that does pay for long-term care. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, call us on our toll-free number anytime. It's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. All right, so uh, back to the topic of how to pay for the high cost of senior care, we talked about Medicare and, uh, and that's really confusing. It, it, it's a wonderful benefit, but it's very, very specific as I just outlined. And it does not pay for your long-term stay, long-term care community uh, or your long-term stay anywhere. At home with home care and assisted living, it does not pay for those things. But guess what does pay for those things? It's a very specific type of insurance policy called long-term care insurance. I cannot say how many times I have I, I'm working with a new family with senior care consulting and I I've, when we're talking about that financial part of that care profile, I always ask, do you have long-term care insurance? Most of the time they'll say, no. And we had the chance to do it. We ha- And I, I'm kicking myself now. I, I really wish we would have signed up for that. And so, people are, are just, um, have major regrets for not signing up for long-term care insurance. So, I like to talk about this. Uh, it's a big deal. And I think, I just frankly think it's, it's not an option anymore. I think all of us need to have long-term care insurance. It's a special type of insurance that very specifically pays for long-term care. And that would include home care services on an hourly basis in your home, that non-medical in-home assistance. It will pay for your stay in the assisted living level of care. It will pay for adult daycare uh, services, and it will also pay for your long-term stay at a nursing home. Okay. So not all policies We'll pay for these things, all all of these things. So, let me kind of separate that out very quickly. There's just not a lot of time to jump into this. Another day, I'll have a long-term care insurance expert on here. We'll we'll dive deep into this thing. But the bottom line is an older policy is a lot more limited than a newer policy. A lot of old policies are just pay for the nursing home stay only. Uh, Newer policies will pay for uh, a lot of these other types of long-term care. Home care, assisted living, adult daycare, and... The nursing home. Uh, so it, it, here's the here's the bottom line. And also, you can't just go out and buy one of these things. Okay, you can't do it. You have to qualify with your good health. And so, if you have a, any substantial pre-existing health conditions, okay, that could be a problem. Uh, but if you qualify to purchase long-term care insurance. Uh, then uh, these are my recommendations. These are just my personal recommendations. You may have different thoughts. Uh, you may come up with a different set of parameters with your long-term care insurance expert, but I'd recommend a 90-day elimination period. And what that is, it's basically a deductible. So you pay the first 90 days, and then on the 91st day, the policy kicks in to pay what it's going to pay. You can have a shorter elimination period, uh, but that that means that your premiums are gonna be a little higher. So just understand there's kind of a push and a pull with all of these factors. And then a daily benefit amount, a minimum, minimum daily benefit amount of at least $200 a day. And I I actually, I'm gonna be recommending from this point forward, uh, you, you really need $250 a day. That's going to pay $7,500 a month, and that's going to pay for the majority of uh, of cost at a long-term care uh, community. Uh, the, the higher the benefit, the higher your premium is going to be. So, again, there's the push-pull. Now, there's also kind of an asterisk to that thought. Uh, If you have resources where you can pay $100 a day towards your care, then your long-term care insurance policy to add to that should have a daily benefit of $100 to uh, ideally $150 along with what you can pay, and then you're going to be covered. So you may self-fund some of those costs. Uh, If you can't self-fund, then the insurance policy needs to pay that full $200 minimum, $250 preferred. Okay, I think it is an absolute must. I don't think this one's negotiable. You have to have the inflation rider. And typically that will increase your coverage by 5% per year. And that way you're going to keep up with the ever rising cost of long-term care. All this stuff goes up three to 5% pretty much every year like clockwork. So 20 years down the road, you don't want your coverage to erode and only pay, you know, 50% of your coverage 20 years from now. You want to keep up with that. And that inflation rider is critical. And then I would recommend a five-year term. So all of the statistics from pretty much any study that you might want to uh, want to look at or read will say that the average length of stay in assisted living is two and a half years. The average length of stay at, at long-term care, or the nursing home level is two and a half years. A lot of people uh, have both of those stays. Uh, so, so there's your five year term, and that's just playing the statistics. And then the policy must be a state partnership plan. And what that means is that the state will match your long-term care insurance benefit dollar for dollar. So if your policy paid out $100,000 and then later on you need to qualify for Medicaid and, and uh, be placed in a nursing home, your spend down is not spending your liquid assets down to 4000 or $2,000 in, as in the case in uh, Missouri and Kansas. Your spend down is down to the amount that your insurance policy paid out, and therefore you've preserved some assets for your family. So that's a really good thing. Talk to a long-term care insurance broker that recommends uh, multiple companies and uh, have them walk you through that to figure out the plan that works best for you. All right, and then as we conclude today's program, I just want to thank my friend David Wiley for coming onto the program and and really just addressing again a, a just a tough issue, a sensitive issue, uh, and uh, and I just want to thank David for his time and his thoughts on that. Um, and I just want to say, uh, you know, and and I, I usually don't wait into this kind of stuff, but I, I'm going to just quote. George Floyd's brother, Terrence, and he recently uh, addressed a large crowd. And He, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, listen, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. He says, let's do this peacefully, please. He was imploring peace. He was asking for peace. He said, my brother moved here, Minneapolis. He moved to Minneapolis from Houston, and I used to talk to him on the phone, and he loved it here. He loved living here. I understand you're upset, but you're not half as upset as I am. And if I'm not over here blowing things up, and I'm not over here messing up my community, then why would you? The violence is not going to bring my brother back. Please stop the violence. And, and I, I agree with that. And uh, uh, I, I agree with Terrence Floyd and his statement there. So right now, we all have a chance to make a difference. And frankly, you know, I'm not sure exactly how you get rid of racism or or fix police departments. There are a lot of other people could probably have better ideas than I do, although I do have some, but this is what I do know. And this is what I have control over. We can all make a difference in our own families by being the best person that we can be. We can all make a difference in our churches, in in our workplace. We can all make a difference in our own communities, in our own little corner of the world. We can do this by being the very best version of ourselves that we can be. We can treat other people with respect. We can lead by example. We can show compassion. We can show love. And we can just all try to be a better person individually. And that's how we can lead, and that's how we can make our own parts of the world a better place to live. And if we all do that, then collectively, guess what we've done? We've made the world a better place to live. And that's what it's all about. I'm your host, Steve Kieker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live.